Today's reading is from uh, the book of Romans and it's on page 1140 of the the Bibles in the church. Uh, It's Romans 14 verses 1 to 12. Accept the one whose faith is weak without quarrelling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master, servants stand or fall. And they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone, and none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life, so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, As surely as I live, says the Lord, Every knee will bow before me, every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. You might want to just uh, keep your Bibles open, that was on page 1140, uh, Romans 14. Let's just pray before we start. Holy Spirit, we just pray that you will help us now uh, as we look at your words. May all our thoughts be yours, and may my words be yours also. Amen. Well, I was in Tesco's um, just before Christmas. It was one of those days when they said it was the uh, the busiest trading hour they'd ever had or something like that. Uh, And I was uh, behind uh, a a young mum with a trolley laden with stuff, uh, absolutely overflowing, with two toddlers. And these two toddlers were having a complete meltdown. Uh, The smaller one wanted to push the trolley. And that's all he wanted to do. He was fighting to get at the trolley and his big brother wasn't letting him. And the smaller one was beside himself, yelling and screaming and lying on the floor and tears and everything. Huge amount of noise. Uh, The older one, the stronger one, just sort of bulldozed over him really. Didn't have to make so much noise. Just got his own way, the other way. And the poor mother, uh, just beside herself, just, in, just about at the end of her tether. So she did what mothers do uh, in that situation. Uh, she reminded them who was in charge. Uh, she took over the trolley and neither of them got to push the trolley. Well, that is kind of the situation we're dealing with uh, in this passage, uh, in Romans uh, 14 one, uh, one onwards. Because Paul is saying that there are going to be differences 
between us. As, as a Christian family, we are going to have differences that we're not always uh, going to see eye to eye on. But we always need to remember who's in charge. We always need to remember that Jesus is Lord. Um, Paul is writing to Christians and it's being able to say Jews that Jesus is Lord that really defines us as a Christian. That's what we are. Uh, it's our starting point, really. A Christian is someone who has repented, who's changed direction in their lives and is following Jesus and obeying God's word. That's who Paul is writing to. And that's why Paul takes so much time in this passage to reinforce this point that Jesus is Lord. It's a recurring theme. Just look down uh, with me and you'll just see it keeps coming up. So, verse 6. Whoever regards one day special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord. Whoever abstains does so to the Lord. And whoever we are, we give thanks to the Lord. Look at verse 7. None of us lives or dies to ourselves alone. And why not? Because verse 8 says, we live and die and belong to the Lord. And look at verse 9. Jesus is Lord of the dead and the living. So Paul's saying that when we put our trust in Jesus, we accept him as our Lord. We follow him, we live for him. Sometimes that's going to be in a rather weak and wobbly way, but nonetheless, that is what we do. And that's the big picture that lies behind uh, this passage. And yet, what Paul is doing here is diving into the nitty-gritty of day-to-day life. Up to now, he's been dealing with some pretty broad themes uh, in Romans. Now we're into something really nitty-gritty, and he's kind of saying, look, not everybody agrees about everything. We are going to meet people in our Christian walk who've got different ideas about how things should be done and what it's like to live out a Christian life. And and that's what he's dealing with here. And one uh, quick takeaway from this, if you don't remember anything else that someone brought home in one of the commentaries on this, is this is just a reminder that actually not all Christians are the same, uh, which may be a bit of a surprise. Uh, But actually, we don't all have the same way of doing things, do we? We are all at different stages, and and we do have different understandings of of some points. We are free to live our lives out under the lordship of Jesus. So, this letter is addressed, this bit of a letter is addressed to people who believe in the Lord Jesus, but who perhaps do things a little bit differently. Uh, Paul doesn't use the phrase weak and strong. In fact, um, you can see in verse 1, he talks about Christians accepting weaker ones. Uh, The heading of the passage talks about weak and strong. And uh, later on, in another chapter, Paul does talk about uh, weak and strong Christians. So we'll talk about weak and strong uh, this morning, although really uh, only the word weak comes through uh, in this, this passage. So it begs the question, doesn't it? Well, what are these weak and strong Christians? Surely if you're a Christian, you're a Christian. Are there there any any differences? Well, I guess if you'd asked me before I looked at this passage, what's a weak Christian? What's a strong Christian? 
I would have gone back to that weak and wobbly phrase that Laura Koonsberg uh, uh, copyrighted with Theresa May. Uh, the, the weak and wobbly Christian, the one who perhaps doubts, who isn't too sure, perhaps can't recite enough Bible verses, perhaps doesn't go to church too often, they're not too, just not too certain of themselves. And the strong Christian is the one who's very muscular and, and can bash out the Bible verses and seems also sure of themselves all the time. Well, the surprise for me reading this passage is that isn't what Paul's talking about at all. A, a weak Christian is not someone who doubts. Because actually the truth is, if that was the case, we'd all be saying we're weak Christians, wouldn't we? Because we all doubt. We all have times when that assurance uh, seems to fade away. It's an astonishing little, uh, little vignette right at the end of Matthew's Gospel where the disciples are with Jesus at the ascension, and Matthew says, but some doubted. seems extraordinary. But actually, that's, that's the human condition of our walk in faith, isn't it? That we do experience doubt for all sorts of reasons. So, we shouldn't condemn ourselves when we have those moments, and that's not what Paul's talking about here. So, what is he talking about? Well, let's... Imagine two superheroes. I'm not sure technically these are superheroes, but that'll do. Okay, we've got Iron Man and Ray Skywalker. Who's seen the latest Star Wars film? Oh dear me. Well, we need to, you know, church outing for the rest. How many times? Twice. Okay, church outing to catch up on Star Wars. Okay, so two superheroes. Now, if you looked at those and you said, which one is the strong one? You said, wow, it's got to be Iron Man, isn't it? Look at him. All beefy and tooled up and all the rest of it. Whereas Ray looks a bit feeble, doesn't she? Well, according to Paul, the strong Christian, if we use that analogy, would be Ray, and the weaker is Iron Man. And that's because Iron Man actually needs all this kit to keep him going, doesn't he? He needs to bolt on all his other bits of equipment to actually function. Ray stands in her own right. Whereas Iron Man needs a lot of support, a lot of extra stuff to get him going. Now then, look at verse 2. Verse 2 describes a weak Christian as someone like that. Someone who feels that, as a Christian, they need to, in this instance, eat only vegetables. They need to be a vegetarian. Now that's strange, isn't it? Because we would think, well, you know, uh, resisting a steak and, and just sticking to vegetables, that would be a sign of great strength. But Paul says, no. The stronger one doesn't worry about such things. The stronger one eats anything. You get a similar thing, you look at verse 5. Verse 5, that the weaker Christian is the person who has to observe certain dates. Some versions refer to festivals and so on. They keep certain days uh, as special. Now, um, commentators have a little bit of an argument about whether he's talking about Sunday or not, so we, we, we won't go there. But what Paul is saying is that what's important is that we just need Jesus and we just need his Holy Spirit to rely on. And we don't need to create other stuff around us, whether it's following certain dates or whether it's sticking to darts and all this sort of stuff, to enjoy our Christian freedom. 
That Christian freedom comes through knowing what Jesus has done for us and really just relaxing in that knowledge. But here we've got people who need a little bit more help. People who need something to help them along in their faith journey. They can't live quite fully in the knowledge that they are completely free. That Jesus has done everything that they need. They need something tangible to reassure them in their day-to-day lives. Do you remember that moment when you learned to ride a bike? I do. It took me forever. I think my father went bonkers with me. But eventually, I got to ride a bike and he could take the stabilizers off. Bit of a scary moment. But actually, once the stabilizers were off, they didn't go back on again. Well, Paul is describing here behaviours that are a bit like keeping the stabilisers on a bicycle when I don't need to. They're not doing any harm necessarily. It doesn't really matter. They're giving you a little bit of extra reassurance, but you don't need them. So the fact is that some of us will have some things in our lives that we bring with us into our Christian life that act like stabilisers and some won't. And we have different ways of doing things. We have diversity amongst us and Paul saying well what do we do about that and does it actually matter and Paul's answer is very simple look at verse 1 again because what his answer is well no it doesn't matter verse 1 he says accept without quarrelling over disputable matters accept other people without quarrelling over disputable matters in other words we don't spend time arguing about stuff that isn't important It means we're not going to spend time playing a sort of Christian version of trivial pursuits. So in those days, apparently, people were getting fussed about diets and days. So I suppose applying this to our situation now, we've got to say, well, what is it that's in our own lives that we perhaps treat as rather special, as important, that perhaps we hang on to, uh, that really isn't that important? Uh, I think in in this particular church, you might say it's things like um, some people will worry about which versions of the Bible we read. We might worry about um, who reads up front, who speaks and leads up front, how we do communion. There are churchy things that matter. I think, you may argue about this, I think you can take the principle wider and say we shouldn't be falling out, we shouldn't be arguing about wider things like that that may be very important to some of us, but actually aren't that important. So, for instance, I think you would find some people who say you couldn't possibly be a Christian unless you vote for Jeremy Corbyn. You couldn't be a Christian and vote for Boris. I think increasingly we'll be told you can't really be a Christian unless you're vegan. It's just, it's just unacceptable. I think with the ongoing, the continuing discussion about uh, wealth, there'll be folks saying, you can't be a Christian and be that wealthy and be that rich. And Paul says, we need to be really clear that actually this sort of stuff does not change our status before God. It doesn't matter to a very great extent what we do and what we think around these areas. These are what Paul says, they're disputable. They're matters of opinion. They don't affect our salvation as long as we keep the Lord 
central. So the question then for us all is, well, where do you stand on stuff like this? Uh, uh, do you worry about the way things are done in church in a certain sort of way? Or are you relaxed? Well, if you are relaxed, and if you're generally relaxed about all this sort of stuff, if you don't think things like, if you don't think things like this matter, then look at verse 3. Because verse 3 says, we are not to treat others with contempt. So we're not to, in the words of the TV show, we're not to mock the weak. We're not to make fun of people who take these things seriously. On the other hand, those of us who do think that some of these things are important, well again, look at verse 3. Verse 3 says we must not judge. We don't judge people who think other things are important. In verse 10 you'll get the same idea, don't you? Why do you judge Why do you treat with contempt? So, Paul is asking us just to have a think about our attitudes. Is this you and me? And I was reflecting on this and think, well, I'm definitely in the relaxed category. I don't really worry about very many things at all. And then I thought, actually, that's not true. This isn't binary, is it? This isn't we're in one camp or the other. We move between them all the time. We all have things that we are relaxed about and there are some things that we get worked up about. And I'm not going to tell you the things I get worked up about because that's not necessarily helpful. But the fact is, we do get cross, don't we, about things when people treat them lightly, when we think they're important. And the other way round, doesn't it? We all have our moments of being strong or weak. I met someone recently who was appalled that I did not appreciate the church's liturgical colours. Now, I suspect Tim is probably the only person in the room. In fact, let's ask him, what colour should we be at the moment, you know? We should be green, should we? It's a wild guess, but we'll never know whether he's right or not. Because (laughs) if you go to some churches you would find that the colour scheme in the church changes. Now here, we've only got the table, what some people call an altar, but we've got the table at the top there with its covering on it. And if you go to many churches, that will change during the months, during the season. So Epiphany, where we are now, it'll be one colour, Christmas another, Lent the other. This lady was appalled that I didn't think that was terribly important. And I teased her about it in a probably rather a cruel but gentle way. And reflecting on this, I thought, I was just wrong. You've all slightly tittered at the whole idea. You're wrong. We shouldn't, because for some people, these are important. I should just accept it. It doesn't matter. If that's what is helpful for some folk to bolster their faith, it's okay. We don't need it, but it doesn't matter. Paul says we accept these differences. We resist the temptation to tease or complain. We're going to be chatting over coffee afterwards. There will be things here this morning that you didn't like, one way or another. When we meet in small groups, it's easy to go off on a tangent, isn't it, and start trying to sort things out. Paul says, if they don't matter, if it doesn't affect your standing before the Lord, we just accept them. Well, having said that, there's a couple of health warnings that Paul puts in this passage. Firstly, in the words of Cole Porter, I think, this is not an excuse for saying anything goes. 
this doesn't mean to say we don't think about things. Look at verse 5. Verse 5 says, we are each to be fully convinced in our minds. So that's each one of us fully convinced in our minds. We're not relying on what other people say. We're thinking things through for ourselves. We are fully convinced. That is why we're studying the Bible this year. That's why uh, Stephen was referring to the two-edged sword that the Bible is, and we talked about last week, so that we can form our own conclusions. Not anything goes. And that's important because remember what Paul is talking about here is trivia. Seems a bit odd to be doing a sermon about trivia, but that's what it is. These are fringe issues. They don't really matter too much. But of course, the $60 million question is, well, how do we know it matters? Some things do matter. You know, in the, in the uh, previous chapter we, we read a while ago, uh, Paul referred back to the Ten Commandments. They're still there. They're not negotiable. We still obey God's word where it's clear in the Bible. Martin Lloyd-Jones says, if it's prohibited in the Bible, it's prohibited. No need for any further discussion. That's why we are focusing on the Bible this year. So, we do need to stop a little bit occasionally, don't we? Do a little health check on ourselves and say, well, are we thinking this through? Are we clear on what matters and what doesn't? Are we getting our priorities right? You know, we could easily at the moment, if you listen to the uh, agenda being given us through the press, even through the church, we can be worrying about our carbon footprint. Uh, we might be worrying about whether we're driving an electric car or a hybrid or not. Uh, you might be worrying about which version of the Bible reading notes you're using. While you could also be happily just fiddling a little bit on the edge of the tax return. Might be a little bit clever with your bus pass or your train tickets, passing around to other people to use. Maybe you're in a wrong relationship that you shouldn't be on. We need to be clear that Paul is not saying anything goes. He's saying some things do matter and we need to be clear of what matters and what isn't. You know, if we live under the Lordship of Christ, we take his commands seriously. And other things we move on from, we don't worry about. Well, why is a good question, isn't it? Why has Paul got all this in here? And I guess you might expect Paul at this point to be talking about love for one another. He's talked about that before. He might be saying, well, you know, we've all got to get on with each other. Uh, he could have been talking about um, church unity. Uh, Tim said earlier, we've got a, a week of prayer coming up when we're talking about um, church unity. But actually, Paul doesn't make either point. He simply says, really, that it's just not our job to make these sorts of judgments and these sorts of critiques of other people. He says, we're not in charge. He says, one day, all of us, instead of making judgments on other people, we are going to be the ones who are judged. Verse 10, look at that, it says, we will all stand before the judgment seat. This is the only picture I could find that tried to illustrate that. Um, it's obviously rather an old um, uh, engraving, but it's getting the idea that in Paul's mind, literally, uh, if you had a case to be heard, you'd have gone and stood in the porticos outside the, uh, uh, the Roman administrative centre or even the edge of, the, uh, uh, of one of the temples or, or in the forum, if you're in Rome itself. 
And there would be uh, the judge in Rome, it would have been the urban praetor, but it could have been the local governor, would have been Pontius Pilate uh, in Jesus' day. And he would be sitting uh, on a sort of great stone dais, on a throne up there, and you and the rest of the defendants, or anybody else bringing your case before him, would be standing in a crowd uh, below that seat. And you stood there and waited for him to pass judgment. And the fact is that that is what we are all going to do. That's what Stephen said last week. And he said last week that if you've ignored God, then when we stand there, that judgment is going to end in death. But that isn't what Paul is worried about here. Because Paul says here, look, those who know Jesus as their Lord, we don't need to fear that judgment. The one who's sitting up there judging is our friend. And then look at verse 4. Verse 4, he says, Servants stand or fall before their master. But Christians, whether weak or strong, will stand. He says, the Lord is able to make us stand. In other words, for those who put their trust in Jesus, who know that Jesus is Lord, our future is secure. That judgment isn't the slightest bit worrying but we will still be there. We will still stand before him as our master. Or if you look at verse 10, there's a slightly different picture. We stand there as our brothers and sisters, effectively in front of our father. And then in verse 12, he says, each of us will give an account of ourselves. I remember once having to give an account of myself to my father after one particularly uh, torrid incident in my life. Uh, and I knew that he was my father, but it still wasn't a terribly comfortable time as I had to uh, explain what I'd been up to. Well, Paul says we are all standing in front of our Heavenly Father as brothers and sisters. And in that situation, well, we're not in a position to judge each other because we ourselves will be judged. As Ian referred to earlier, we are facing the God of absolute power. And our differences at that point become a bit silly. Those differences, in fact, become as silly as those two toddlers, don't they? Arguing over the Tesco's trolley uh, at the start. They had no real power. They had no, no, no right over that trolley. It was a complete waste of energy over something completely trivial. Uh, they were trying to decide something that actually mum was going to decide. And that's like us, if we start making judgments and explaining, expressing views over other people, over this sort of trivial stuff that Paul's talking about here. At that point, we're taking over God's job. We are his children, we're his servants, and our job is not to make judgments, but it is to remember instead who is in charge, that Jesus is Lord. Which takes us back to where we started, that, that opening theme, the most important thing for us to know. Jesus is Lord, that's the background right through this passage. And that means what we've just been looking at, it means we obey his word, where we have differences over trivia, we're gracious, we don't force our point of view, we accept each other, and we do that because one day we're all going to be facing the same judge, and that judge has accepted anyone who calls on his name. So we do the same. Let me pray.
Father, thank you that in Jesus we have all we need. Help us to live to him and die in him as our Lord. And help us to be gracious to others over stuff that really doesn't matter. Amen.